4: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, Discussing a number of things tonight, um, including the Sixers, as we brought up last segment, with the James Harden rumors uh, swirling. I think he gets traded this week. And I think he gets traded to either Brooklyn or Philadelphia. Um, he wants to go to Brooklyn. I. It sounds like he wouldn't be opposed to coming to Philadelphia. And it's probably going to come down to whether the Sixers are willing to trade Ben Simmons or not. Hey, if the Sixers could get James Harden without trading Ben Simmons, that would be ideal. I don't see that happening. Um, but, uh, you know, that's probably a decision that Daryl Morey is going to have to make right off the bat um, as far as whether that's a move... He'd be willing to make, and as much as I like Ben Simmons, I would do it. I, I would make that move if you have the ability to get James Harden and pair him with Joel Embiid. Uh, you got it. You got to do it. Um, the the window in the NBA is not very long. Even when it seems, even when it seems like a wide window, it can close quickly because of what we see in Houston. I mean, players can kind of force their way out of places. Houston's probably going to give in. And Trey James Harden. Who's to say Joel Embiid doesn't do the same thing in a year or two if things don't go well with him and Simmons and Doc Rivers? Who's to say Ben Simmons doesn't do that down the line? You know, we've seen uh, players of the Clutch Sports sports Agency do that thing where they, if they want to get out, they'll work their way out. Um, and if you have an opportunity to win a title, which I think the Sixers would have if the Sixers trade for James Harden and pair him with Joel Embiid, they are instantly championship contenders. And even if it blows up, I think it's a risky you to take. So we've been discussing that. Also, Doug Peterson and, you know, whether the Eagles organization has faith in him. We are talking about Mike Groh earlier. We'll get to some sound in a little bit that Mike has tracked down from Jeffrey Lory talking about the Mike Rose situation, we'll get to that a little later on. Um, in a couple minutes, though, I want to get to Doug and his disconnect with Carson Wentz because I think there's clearly an issue there as well. Um, and we'll play some sound from Doug in a few minutes uh, regarding that. Uh, first, let's go to Jay in West Philly. What's happening, Jay? Oh,
0: what's going on? What's going on? How what's up, man? How's it going? Uh, well, hey, I ain't the biggest Ben Simmons fan, but I do actually.
3: You do yeah, it, yeah. Because I'm looking at the rest of the
0: roster. I was trying to trade him years ago. <laughs>
3: yeah, man. I mean, if you can, and if you can get James Harden, I get James Harden is an annoying player to watch. I get that he has but, a history of choking in the playoffs, but I just man,
0: think that was more, more Dan Tony, right? Like style, because that's the same way they played in, you know, Phoenix. But I think if you came here, like a forgotten player, if you know you made that trade, would be Josh Richardson. Yeah. Uh, and Jay, and then tobias like everything opens up
3: like, oh everything opens, opens up, up. It's just, I mean I don't hard. know how Jay how would you defend and beat and harden in a pick and roll like I just don't yeah. know how you do it
0: and then off of that you got tobias over there spotting up better for, oh man that that sheesh
3: yeah you add yeah. Add a couple shooters you know I think it would make shake milton a better player i mean i I, I think it would do a the lot floor for this would team just open up joe would be unstoppable uh, yeah he absolutely would be.
0: Just think, Shaq with Kobe, like you could. I mean, they double Shaq anyway, but he just moved people.
3: But with Shaq, he had, he had the open floor because he had shooters around him, and Kobe to attack, like. That, and James, that, James Harden's never had a he, James Harden's never had a quality exactly, big man that he's played with ever. Exactly, they just think like ever
0: since he went there,
3: like they grew
0: with him to take all the shots. Right. Like, because when he was in Oklahoma City, he was the backup point guard. He, he averaged like sixteen. That right. Was the smartest move, more he did, like under the radar.
3: Oh, uh, Jay, I, if I, I if, if James Harden, could do. if if the Sixers made this trade, James Harden would win the MVP next year. I think. Yeah. So. But I
0: think he might be looking for some under uh, well under the radar thing, like you did there. I think they got a better shot at Buddy Hill.
3: Yeah, so, I think that I think. that's a possibility. I mean, yeah. the thing is, you pro. I mean, I don't know what you maybe have to give up Richardson if you're going to get Buddy healed. Um yeah. But yeah, and yeah, that yeah, might be a decent must. fit, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a possibility as well.
0: The only, the only reason I'm thinking about keeping Ben here is, is my faith in Doc. I think Doc could do something with him because Brett Brown is just like, like that was the worst decision he made. He made him a point guard. Oh, Come on. Yeah. <laughs> he, well, you know, no, point, I,
3: I think you know, I, I still goal. think, yeah, I still think Ben has the possibility of, of, of being a, a player as well. Um, but yeah, like we said, I mean, you get James Harden, you, you do. And,
0: and then this Wentz guy, man, look. Everything I'm hearing from Doug, man, I think he starting started to stack, man, because it's just like see everything they did, they just used a, Doug as a figurehead, man. I mean, for him to come out like I know he had to swallow his pride to say that. Oh yeah, that call came from upstairs, you yeah. know, and he frustrated yeah. with the quarterback because you can play outside the system or play in, in the system, and then you can make your other plays. Don't just you know he want to go sixty yard bombs every play.
3: Yeah. I'm telling you this. Can you remember Mike Mamou? I do. Unfortunately, yeah, I do.
0: That's what I think Wentz is. Really? If it's a total bust. Remember his senior year? He was what a second, third round projection. So he, you know, he went to the Senior Bowl, and everybody's like, "Oh, oh late first round." He got all that buzz.
3: Yeah, he no.
0: co-signed him. Then he shot up the chart.
3: <laughs> no, I, I got you, Jay. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. And yeah, I, I mean. I think there is a level of frustration with Doug, with Carson Wentz. And we'll play some sound in a couple minutes that, I mean, clearly, clearly bears that out um, to show you how frustrated Doug is. And I think it does irritate Doug that he ends up getting questions back on his play calling when he obviously thinks the play calling um, is not a problem. So we'll play that in a couple minutes. First, let's talk to Mike in Glassboro. What's up, Mike? Yo, can you hear me? Yep, gotcha. How
5: are you doing tonight, guys? Good. How are you doing? Good. Uh, I was just calling in to talk about the Sixers. Uh, I have, like, no confidence in any, like, trade they make, so I think it's good that they hold on to Ben for now. And if they were going to get hardened in any other way besides trading Ben, do that because you look at what the Pelicans got for Drew Holiday tonight, and, you know, the players are just so-so, but so we kind of staying short, so he's okay. But the three picks and the two pick swaps, That's more than what the Sixers got for trading young Drew Holiday a while ago. And part of what they got for Drew Holiday was Dario, and they traded him and Covington for a player that left us after, you know, three-fourths of the season. And then what the Rockets got for Covington tonight was way more than what we got combined for both of the two players. So I think whatever deal they make will be a bad deal in two to three years. So I think they should just pump the brakes on – trade in, you know, good young players and just see how it pans out.
3: Yeah, well, the thing is, Mike, the the only thing that makes me question that is it is a completely different front office now, you know? Daryl Morey wasn't here for any of that. I have more confidence in him making these moves than I did the Sixers front office uh, in the past.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's an idiot. I think whatever he does will be something he, he analytically, you know, he's, he's, he's good with all that stats and deep analytic stuff. So I don't think he'll make a Terrible move, but I don't think trading Ben right now is the answer. I think we should hold on to him.
3: Yeah, no, I, I hear you, Mike, and I appreciate the call. I think that's the way a lot of people feel, and, and again, I mean, I'll continue to say, and if you listen to me, you know this, I am a huge fan of Ben Simmons. I, I You know, uh, as everybody, a lot of people rip him, I still think Ben Simmons is has the potential to be an elite, elite, all-NBA MVP caliber type player with the right kind of with the right kind of of, of progression. Uh, but you know, you get a chance to get James Harden. Like, this is this is a top three guy. And what did we say a couple of years ago with the whole Kawhi thing? After the Sixers didn't make the trade for Kawhi Leonard, you know, people were saying maybe they should have. Now, that situation was different because he only had one year left on his deal. James Harden has two years left. Um, they brought it up that he has a third-year player option. I would probably make that part of the deal is James Harden's got to pick up his third-year player option. If you have to throw in a first-round pick for Harden to do that, um, i I do that, uh, even though I, I guess it wouldn't matter to James Harden what the Rockets would get back. Um, but – that way, his contract would line up with Embiid, and you'd be set for the next three years. And I think if you get that opportunity, you just you just have to take it because in this league, if you don't take these kind of chances when they're there, you might never get them again. Let's go to Anthony in West Philly. What's up, Anthony?
1: Hey, hey, what's going on, Tom? How's it you going, got a good man? Good show going
3: on this morning. Thanks, appreciate it.
1: You know, I like to be a spectator on the sidelines and just listen in, but today you you brought up two good topics. I like to talk about one, you know, being the Sixers and the other being the Eagles. Sure. Um, With the James Harden coming to Philadelphia aspect, right, let's say we do ship out Ben Simmons. He can't play with Embiid because Embiid got to be, you know, the big dog here. He's not going to play uh, uh, Robin to James Harden being a Batman.
3: Yeah, Anthony, I don't think that's true. I, and I think the reason why is you look around the NBA – I think Joel Embiid understands what most guys in this league do. You need multiple stars. Like, you need two guys. Like, LeBron wanted Anthony Davis coming in. LeBron Dave, LeBron James didn't have a problem deferring to Anthony Davis. You know, and, and most of these teams, look at any team that wins a title. You need at least two stars. I agree with you. But, but Embiid's
1: immaturity has shown that he's not mature enough to accept that type of responsibility.
3: Yeah, I think Embiid be okay with it, Anthony. I think if anything, I think if anything, Harden would make Embiid a better player. Like Harden would, Harden would open up the floor for him. Harden would allow him to, you know, get easy baskets off pick and roll. So I actually think Embiid would support it. But okay, yeah. I mean, I hope
1: you're right. I can't see it. I mean, I hope you're right. But as far as the Eagles, I mean, this falls right back with Jeff Lloyd because his whole front office from Howie Roseman, all the way down to Doug Peterson and his staff, and to the quarterback—they got to blow this thing up because this thing is like—it's
3: not going anywhere, and it's—it's it's never going to go anywhere under this construction. Yeah, no, no, I, I hear you, Anthony, and I appreciate the call. I, I don't know—I mean, blowing it up. Uh, what do you? What constitutes blowing it up? You know, is that get rid of everybody? Is that fire the GM? Is that fire the coach? Is that get rid of the quarterback? Like, what aspect of blowing it up, you know, do you look at? Like, I think if you change one of those things, that's probably where you go first. And I think the thing they probably would do first is fire the head coach. That's probably the move. If the Eagles are going to make a significant move, it probably starts with Doug Peterson. And, you know, you look at Doug and the job he's done this year, With play calling and exactly what is going on in the field, I think it's really difficult to assess a level of blame with Doug and what's going on on the field. Now, obviously, you're the head coach. You're an offensive head coach. You run the offense. You're going to be, uh, you know, held responsible when the offense is failing um, to score, when the offense is failing to move the ball consistently when you're failing to score points at, at a high clip. Now, you know, I look at this situation with the Eagles offense right now, and, you know, we talked about Doug and the disconnect between him and the front office, that the front office would not allow him to bring back Mike Gro. Therefore, you don't trust the head coach. And if you don't trust the head coach, he shouldn't be your head coach. Um, but I also think there is a big-time disconnect right now between Doug and Carson Wentz. And every week that goes by, I think you can tell that Doug is getting more and more frustrated. And, you know, I think Doug believes, this is just me reading into it, but I, I think Doug believes that Carson Wentz's play is making his play calling look a whole lot worse than it actually is. And some of that was indicated on Monday. Here was Doug during his zoom media conference on Monday afternoon when asked about uh, the play calling and whether um, he thinks his play calling has been good enough.
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel, I feel good about, you know, the, the, the plays have been called. I even look at the game yesterday and, and, um, and felt I was in, in rhythm and, and, you know, I've always, always looked at the game through the, through the eyes of the quarterback and how, how he views it and how he sees it. And I think it's, it's important that, you know, quarterback and play caller are on the same page that way, and and Carson and I have those conversations during the week and and day before the game, and you know, go through go through a lot of different scenarios, and and uh, we're prepared that way. And and look, not not every game is going to be perfect. You know, there's going to be mistakes made, and there's there's going to be things that that we're going to have to overcome, and and that's you know that's part of our jobs, and that's you know nobody's nobody's perfect, um, and by by no means am I perfect, and. And I'm going to make make a decision error. I'm going to make a, a play calling error, uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, hopefully, I I do my job to to put uh, put the offense in position to be successful.
3: I mean that that's incredibly concerning, and I'm not talking about the sound quality of the of the cuts. Mike, how is I mean, this season's been going on for like three months now. I I, I guess maybe this is a better conversation to have off fair. I, I just would love to know what that sound originates from. It happens like every time Doug speaks. But I don't think yeah, it happens for everybody. But I, I don't know. Just some we'll, machines. Well, yeah. we'll we, we digress here. But it is concerning when Doug Peterson um, you know, says that, he, hey, I think I'm calling the right plays. I think the plays that we're calling are sound plays. And for whatever reason, they're not working. And Doug said he felt like he was in a rhythm. Well, if that was being in a rhythm, then i hate to see when he's struggling. And it illustrates this disconnect between Doug and Carson. And when Doug says something like that, you read into it further. And I think when you read into it further, you know, when you really think about what he's saying, it's that yeah, I'm calling the right plays. The plays aren't being executed on the field by the quarterback correctly. And there's one play in particular that Doug basically said that exact thing where Eagles down 24-17. Five minutes left in the game, whatever it was, somewhere around that point. Um, The Eagles had just missed the third and 10 on a ball thrown behind Travis Fulgham, fell incomplete. Fourth and 10. Eagles need to realistically get a first down here and the game's over because he knew the defense wasn't holding them. And, you know, that was when the Giants hit the play over Darius Slay and and the game was pretty much over at that point but fourth and ten the Eagles need to pick it up and this was Doug after the game right after the game on Sunday afternoon talking about that fourth and ten that fell incomplete Carson Wentz looking for Jalen Rager
2: decision not to kick it obviously uh, a little bit too far lengthy kick uh, into the wind it would have you know would have been a long one there but on the, uh, the play. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously part of the progression. Um, and, uh, you know, thought we had an opportunity there, you know, to make a play, you know, uh, I just got to look at the tape and see, cause it's, it is part of the, part of the progression, but, um, it's just, it's also based on, uh, you know, uh, the decision of the quarterback to go there too. So I just got to look at the film and, and, uh, and, and take a look.
3: And that's Doug saying that exact thing. I mean, that's Doug saying, yeah, it was a decent call. There were other, there was somewhere else the ball should have gone and the quarterback didn't go there. And when we look at the play calling, especially in the passing game and we're critical of Doug, we got to also look at the quarterback and whether he's making the right decisions. And, you know, Doug said at the time he qualified it with, I got to look at the tape. Well, Doug did look at the tape. And he addressed the same play again on Monday. Here's Doug Peterson on Monday um, what he saw on that critical fourth and ten after seeing it again on film.
2: We, we, we knew where he was at and we knew we knew kind of going in uh, what his what his plan would be. He, he typically matches you know the top receiver uh, with any opponent. Uh, we thought going in that, that he might you know go with Travis a little bit and, and he was there but we moved Travis around enough to to kind of keep him you know um, I guess guessing a little bit and on that particular play you know they they played a two deep man coverage Carson you know saw the the one-on-one outside I I do know that that Carson would probably want to have that throw back uh a little bit probably make a little different throw in that situation um we had you know we had some opportunities uh you know on that particular play to uh to to go other places and um you know, I think that's a play we'd all we'd all want back.
3: I mean, Doug can't say it any more clearly than he just did. Carson Wentz made a bad decision on that 4th and 10 as far as he sees it. And I would be frustrated too if I was Doug. You know, to be a play caller, with your job on the line, which I think Doug is increasingly understanding that his job is in jeopardy, that was why he was so defensive when he came home with Angelo on Monday morning and to see plays continually not work and continually derailed because your quarterback isn't executing has got to be very frustrating for him. It does. And, um, it's pretty clear. I mean, all you got to do is listen to him. Uh, Doug Peterson, thinks he's calling the right plays. He thinks the offense is being put in a good position. But the quarterback just isn't making plays. And the quarterback isn't making the throws that he needs to make. Um, so, uh, that's, and that's not me you know, bashing Carson Wentz. That is Doug Peterson telling you that Carson Wentz isn't doing the things he needs to do. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, when we get back... I brought up the Mike Gross situation earlier, which I think you can really link a lot of things with Doug's disconnect with the organization back to that point. I think that point created a fracture between Doug Peterson and the Eagles that has, you know, kind of festered. So we'll get back to that, and we'll play the sound from Jeffrey Lurie um, right after, from August, talking about that decision um, and who exactly made it, because I think it's pretty clear it wasn't Doug. 215 nine four nine four if you want to get in i'm tom kelly in for big daddy graham sports radio 94 wip sports radio 94 wip i'm tom kelly filling in for big daddy graham with you for another couple segments here if you want to get in 215-592-9494 is how you join the show um still have a couple things i want to get to before the end of the show um Mike brought this bef- to my attention before came on the air. Uh, that, you know, if you watch college game day, ESPN college game day, um, they did you know they, they broadcast from the site of the big game each week. Obviously, this is a weird year. The Masters uh, is going on during college football. They did game day from the Masters. which was a cool idea. But apparently the Masters game day picker was just horrendously bad. He was afraid to give a take. Uh, so we'll play that for you in the next segment. Um, what, what, you thought this game day picker
6: was terrible, right? Mike, yeah, I was like laughing my ass off watching this live. Really? I, I could not get enough. I, I thought your was, ass was falling off. Yeah. No, wow. I, I to, uh, I remember that was social media gripe of yours. So <laughs> that was I mixed that in just for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, it was, I thought it was the greatest thing I saw all weekend. I, I could, I, I enjoyed every second of it.
3: So we'll play that for you next segment. Also next segment, I got to get to a feisty back and forth from Doug's Monday zoom call. With our own Reuben Frank, it was a it got it got a little contentious. Uh, so we'll get to that next segment here in regards to Jalen Hurts and his usage, and I'll give you my take on that as well because that's an area where Doug really has struggled is finding a role for Jalen Hurts, and it's been just um, Doug's done a terrible job in that regard. Uh, so we'll get to that, but um, I did want to get back to the Doug stuff with Mike Rowe, where you know. A lot of the issues with the organization, I think, can be linked back to that, where they've just shown that they don't trust Doug to make big decisions. Um, And you saw it. And on a smaller scale, with the two-point conversions this week, and on a large scale, back with the Mike Rowe thing, where Doug obviously wanted to keep him. Here was Doug after the Seattle game, um, the Seattle playoff game, when he said, uh, when he was addressing Mike Rowe and Carson Walsh's status
2: uh, coming into this year, these two gentlemen uh, did an outstanding job for me, uh, for the team, and uh, really put us in a position to, uh, you know, be in the postseason here at the end of the year.
7: Take one for
2: Back though, you didn't back. Yes, both those guys will be back.
3: <clears throat> That's about as definitive as it gets uh, with the throw clear at the end. Uh, very definitive. Carson or, or Doug expected. Mike Groh to return uh that changed just a few days later here was Doug um well I, I, speaking about a month later even though Groh was fired a couple days later uh, talking about why Mike Groh was let go
2: you know there's times where course of the season course of the year things just don't work out you know I'm constantly evaluating everybody and and my coaches know this coming into this into this business and into this uh our organization and I have to make tough decisions we have to do it with the players we have to do it with coaching staff and and so I was you know just made that made that move
3: now, Doug can spin that as it was his decision. It's pretty clear, I think, to everybody that it wasn't. It, it, that came from somewhere else. It's just a question of where. And, um, Mike, you tracked down some sound uh, from what you said this was from August?
6: Yeah. Uh, last weekend of August, Jeffrey Laurie held his um, kind of State of the Eagles okay. uh, press conference. I think he usually does it in, like, March.
3: Right. The COVID, COVID. Year. Yeah. Yeah. The answer for everything gets thrown off,
6: COVID. <laughs> well, 2020 is just one of those years. It is. It is.
3: Uh, so, and this is Jeffrey uh, refer- uh, talking about Mike Rowe, correct?
6: Yeah, it's basically um, why the team went in the direction they did. It, Jeff McLean asked the question about why they did it. It, it was almost like he kind of knew to ask the question. Uh-huh. Um, and then Jeffrey Lurie, I mean, we'll hear in the cut, he just takes it as if, like, it was – it. The whole time, he kind of indicates
4: it was his decision. Um, Okay. Yeah. Um, The last couple years, uh, we were all, as a group, not satisfied with our offensive production. And um, uh, it didn't stop us from making the playoffs. It didn't stop us from making a a postseason run. Um, But we always have the belief as an organization, it's part of our DNA, that you want to be a top-five offense Uh, to have your best chance of of winning the Super Bowl. And so um, these are are questions and discussions that happen year-round. It wasn't about any particular people. It was, these are our goals. What can we do uh, to achieve? uh, And were we stagnant in any possible way? Let's be as self-critical as possible and try to get to the bottom of, um, you know, is in every way we can uh, because that's, that's what we've always done.
3: Now I'm fine with doing a self-assessment. That's what an owner and an organization should do, but you have a head coach for a reason. And you figure if you have a head coach, you trust the head coach. I don't support not allowing a coach to pick a staff. I don't. And if Doug thought bringing back Mike Rowe was the right decision then he should have brought brought back Mike Gro. Now, if you don't trust Doug, that's a whole different story. Then Doug shouldn't be your head coach. But um you 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 got to make a decision one way or another. You can't just have Doug in place and dictate to him what to do, whether it's when to go for two, when not to go for two, what coaches he's allowed to have, what coaches he's not going to he's not allowed to have. And if the Eagles don't trust Doug Peterson, which I think it's kind of clear that they don't, you know, they should move on. I'm personally not to that point. I still do have some faith that Doug um, can get this thing together because I think more of the offensive problems are linked to the quarterback than they are the head coach. Um, but if the Eagles feel that Doug is a, is the problem, then they shouldn't hesitate and they should get a head coach they actually trust to make decisions. 215-592-9494. Uh, let's go to Adrian. I heard him on yesterday. What's up, Adrian? Um, Charlie. What's going on? You pumped about those three and seven Giants, Adrian? No, no, not really. I'm just pumped because you told me
7: that we was horrible. So if we horrible. I mean, they are. butts, right? What are the y'all? Eagles are horrible, too. <laughs> They're both horrible. Hey, look, man. I don't know, man. You know, see, I've been around a long time. I'm, I was around when we won the Super Bowl, nine and seven. You know what I mean? We
3: went in as a, as a wild card and, and ran the whole table. I yeah, let's hope you were table. around that. Let's hope you were around that, Adrian. That was like 13 years ago. Yeah,
7: well, I mean, you're a young guy, man. You're a young buck, man.
3: Yeah, how old, young do you think age. I am? I guarantee you I'm twice your age.
7: I can, get, I can, I can guarantee that. Oh, I doubt that, Adrian. I'm Holy, 33. Uh, uh, I'm 33. There's, you're not in your Oh, no, I ain't twice your age. You're 33? <laughs> yeah. no, I know you. I thought you was younger than that. No, nah, no.
3: I'm an old <laughs> well, you
7: still guy. a young buck. I still got you about 20. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so, um, you know, I just think that we're going to win a division. I just think we're going to win the division. I think our schedule favor us and winning. I think the teams that we got left on schedule our schedule are beatable teams. Uh, and I just think y'all, y'all y'all schedule just is a little, a little tougher. I think, you know, you used to – oh, man, you used to kill me with Eli.
3: Tell me what Eli- hey, I mean, Eli's overrated, Adrian. I'm not
7: going to take well, well, hey, back right, my if, statements. If, on that. Hey, listen, if Eli's overrated, how about that 32 million dollar quarterback you got down there with no playoff wins? Oh, you I is he overrated?
3: No, I don't think he's any good, personally. <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, I will say, I, Danny Danny Dimes played pretty well. Are you excited about him? You're bought in on him yet? Well, I
7: look at it this way. I think he actually he's learning. He's starting to throw the ball away. Starting to pick up his checkdowns. You know what I mean? Uh he's not forcing he's not forcing the issue. He just let the game come to him. With if Carson would do the same thing, I mean you would think after five years he would probably by now have figured it out. But I just don't think he was good from the start. Um not a number one draft pick, not a franchise quarterback. I mean you starting to see that. You oh man, you used to love Carson Woods. You loved him. You loved it. You woke up talking Carson. You went to sleep talking Carson. He's had a bad. He
3: <laughs> he's had a bad year, Adrian. He's had a bad year. No, I, what? he had a bad couple
7: years. And, and he just had a bad year. Yeah. Did you think he had a good year last year? No, like he
3: had an okay year. But anyway, Adrian, before before we go here, I need to get your take. I know you're a big Sixers guy. Would you do Simmons for Harden? I, I thought
7: about it at first. I, I even thought about bringing Westbrook with Harden, but no. Oh, God, come on. No, I, I because only reason I say that is because the East is getting you know it's proud, you know they got I mean the East is getting tough now I mean Miami Miami was in the finals last year you got Durant coming back I mean you you can't forget about Milwaukee so and everybody got two and three stars so I, I just thought about you know if we could bring two former MVPs and put them in with uh, hey look we, we can match up with what's going on in the East but I I, I nah nah I, I'm not I, this what I would do. Bring Buddy Hill in, bring some more shooting in, bring a uh, a veteran point guard in, and I, I got to, I have to see at least one year to see what happens with these two guys. You know what I mean? With a yeah. with a better coach and with a little bit more better players around.
3: Yeah, I got you, Adrian. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. I and I, I get that temptation because I would want to see what Simmons and Embiid look like with Doc as well. But man, I, I just. James Harden and, and Embiid. I just think that combination would be really difficult to stop. And if that if that possibility is there, I would do it if I was Daryl Morey. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. When we get back, we'll play this sound from the game day picker, who was terrible um, on ESPN on Saturday. And also, um, I'll talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts and his usage lately, which hasn't made any sense, including a contentious back and forth between Dougie P. and uh, Ruben Frack. Uh, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another couple segments here. If you want to get in, time to get a couple calls in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. 592 As we tease last segment, uh, it's been a, a weird year, to say the least. And um, you will very rarely get these kind of instances where you have College Game Day, which is, you know, the big college football studio show that they do outdoors. It was actually here five years ago at Independence Hall, right outside our old studios, for uh, Temple-Notre Dame. That was a great game, by the way, Mike.
6: Yeah, five years and 17
3: days. Basically, Notre Dame versus the current Carolina Panthers. <laughs> it's insane how many Temple guys Rule has. Robbie Anderson, yeah. Robbie Anderson, P.J. Walker's the starting quarterback now, right? Is Teddy Two Gloves going to be out oh, for yeah, a while? Oh, yeah, Two Gloves bit? is banged up. Yeah. Right. We might get a little P.J. Walker action this week. <laughs> um, And there's a bunch of other guys as well down there. But... um. Uh, you know, college game day usually does the uh their broadcast from the biggest college game of the week. I'm guessing they were scheduled to be at Alabama LSU, but COVID. So that game got canceled, as did pretty much every other college game of consequence except the Big Ten and Penn State, who got beat again. Um four. They are terrible. It's so great. It makes me so happy. Uh James Franklin is is a dope as Howard. Howard Howard despises james franklin
6: you always rip him you know what's not fun about it though is like they hate him too
3: yeah penn state people hate james (laughs) franklin and somehow he stays there um but they had a cool idea in lieu of not many good college football games they did game day from augusta and did it from the masters now they uh, part of the game day tradition is they have a celebrity picker an alumnus of the universe is that the proper term alumnus? well,
6: or just somebody who just claims them like like Bryce Harper did the Buckeyes
3: uh, why he he's just, from he, Vegas
6: right and he didn't go to well he went to like he went to like a weird college situation but yeah he did not go to Ohio State
3: who was the guest picker for Notre Dame Temple do you remember yeah I do who was it you don't remember no it wasn't a person oh it was the fanatic yeah oh that's so stupid um, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> but, um, so uh, they, they, they obviously are doing it at a golf tournament. So they have a golfer, they have Jack Nicklaus do it. The, the golden bear. He did, you know, uh, via zoom. Oh, he did it via zoom. That makes sense. Um, but you know, part of doing the picks is that you have to make the picks and you pick every game and then you pick. You know, the big game, which I guess the big game in this instance was the Masters. Right. Now, Mike, you had said that he really just was very hesitant to pick any of these games,
6: right? Yeah, so uh, ESPN on their YouTube, they only posted the final five minutes of the pick segment. Uh But as you know, it's usually like, it's probably close to like 10, 12 minutes. Oh, so this wasn't
3: done live.
6: Uh no, it was live. Okay, all right. Um you just pulled it from there Yeah, now. I'm just saying I only had like I'm tell like there was even more than like what we're gonna hear here. I just oh. I put three together. Okay. Um he was it was great. I could not get enough of it. All right. So here's Jack Nicholas who's brought on
3: to pick games and pick the end of the Masters, which is the main reason he's on and being hesitant to do so. Jack, who do you like? Well, I, I don't know
2: much about it. I think West Virginia West Virginia's a pretty good football team. But my, one of my grandsons went to TCU, and he's rooting for him. I can't root against him. Western and Purdue. Well, that's pretty much a toss-up. I really don't know
3: very much about either team at this point. And Jack uh, – oh, Jack. Yeah, let's see who Jack thinks. Jack, you've won it six times. You know what it takes. Who's yeah. going to win the Masters Sunday?
2: Well, I think I think it's too early to call, guys. I said I don't, I don't think all the uh, – the, the mainland scores are in there. And uh, – uh, but uh, –
3: We've got 36 holes to go. Is, is, does he think like he's going to be like it's going to damage his credibility greatly to like pick a game wrong <laughs> or pick the? And, and by the way, it was pretty obvious going into the last day of the Masters who's going to win. Well, I guess oh, that yeah. was with well, two was, days left.
6: That yeah. was Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just pick somebody, Jack. I mean, it was what it was like. Four people could have been, I think, by that point.
3: Right. You know. Okay. You take either Dustin Johnson, who did win. Um, Justin, you know, Thomas. Justin Thomas or a couple of the other guys. Like, wh- wh- Why was he so worried
6: about getting the answer wrong? Well, how about um Northwestern, Purdue? He just straight up admits, I don't know either team. Yeah, and nobody, nobody who's celebrity picker knows.
3: They just pick, and right. most of them just pick based on who they like. You know, not 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 who they like in terms of who's the better team, just what school they like better.
6: Right. So yeah. Jack. no it was it was amazing. I could like. I thought it was the funniest thing. It kept growing with each one. I was like, oh, my God, he can't. And then when he got to the, the Masters, I was like, well, I guess he's got to leave a pick here. And he lays that.
3: Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, gee, yeah, I don't think Jack knew how that segment worked. Um, <laughs> just pick just pick the games, Jack. So that was Jack Nicholas's, uh moment from the Masters. Uh, but before we hit the break here, I want to talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts. Um, because, you know, as the season's gone on, his usage and his effectiveness has gone significantly downhill. You know, how uh, early in the year I thought he was productive. I thought he was doing some things that were helping the Eagles on the field, and the plays he was in were productive. And as the season's gone on, um, it's it's gotten much worse in that regard. And I do think, while I do think some of the criticism of Doug has been overblown because of the quarterback play of Carson Wentz, I think his usage of Jalen Hurts has been bad this year. Uh, I don't think Doug has done a good job of integrating him. Uh, here's Doug, um, when asked, talking about Jalen Hurts and how he assesses his play overall so far this year.
2: I think uh, early on um, we've been very explosive with him. Um, my gosh, I think we were close to uh, 11 or 12 yards per uh, attempt when he was in the game, something like that. Uh, I would say here recently, you know, defense is um, – are playing him a little bit differently. They've had chances to, uh, to scout him. And, um, you know, I think it goes back to Jeff's question where sure, we could probably do a little bit more with him.
3: Yeah. And you know, the, the play has declined significantly and the effectiveness of Jalen hurts has declined significantly. And Doug referenced at the end, Jeff McLean's question, which I think is a very, uh, you know, is one that makes a lot of sense because I don't understand Why, every time Jalen Hurts comes in the game, why is he just running the ball? Like, the point of putting him in is having a quarterback that has a throwing
6: option, right? Like, that's what you'd think, right, Mike? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a little takey, but doesn't it look like he's afraid to throw?
3: I don't know. I don't know. I feel like maybe he's not being, you know... It doesn't look to me like the plays are designed for him to throw.
6: I I think that... That guy wants nothing to a throw. Like he is afraid to throw the ball.
3: Well, that would be a problem if that's the, <laughs> yeah. the you know the backup quarterback. Um, I, I,
6: I just I I don't know for some reason I got like a false spot. Right. Well, hopefully,
3: jeez, oh, please don't do that. But um, you know, I agree that Jalen Hurts when you put him in the game, why not let him throw it a little bit if he wants to? Uh, because you know otherwise there's no point uh, other than just putting a wildcat. Guy back there, like a running back or receiver. Here's Jeff McClain asking Doug um about why not? Why not? Why don't you just throw the ball more?
2: Uh, sure. Yeah, that's yeah, a good so idea. So why? So why haven't you done that? That's no, a great idea. Something we'll look into.
3: Now, Doug sounded a little. You know, he great idea. I love when Doug, uh you know, does that when he takes exception to the questions that were asked. But if you thought that was snippy, um listen to this q a this little back and forth with our very own ruben frank uh got a little contentious uh when rube asked one more question about jalen hurts
2: hey doug uh what is your overall assessment of jalen hurts and and what he's given you um seems to be a ball security issue is that a concern with you and um you know how do you see his role evolving here ball security what do you mean well there's been a couple fumbles just uh when he's been were on, the they, field. were they were uh, they his fumbles or were they low snaps? Well, I'm not talking about. Yeah, I'm just talking about. I mean, he's he's had. I mean, what are games. they? I mean, are they him dropping the ball or is it is it the center well, quarterback exchange? I mean, it's listen. he fumbles a, the ball. I want to know specifically from your perspective what it is. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not watching the film. I'm not calling the play. So I'm watching. Know the, you're you're watching, watching the game. me, you're watching I mean, the game. You're, so obviously you're not I watching there's three balls that have been on the ground that he's had in his hand. So, I mean, if, if there's not an issue there, you know, tell me that. the issue. The issue is we have to do better with the, with the center snap, right? I mean, the, the, the ones you're, I think the ones that you're alluding to um, and, and, you know, uh, I've talked to, I've talked to Kelsey about this before and, and he's had a little history and, and he knows it and he, listen, he's a pro and he's going to get it fixed, but we got to get that center quarterback exchange, um, dialed in, and, and a couple of those were low, and, and um, you know, those are those are hard to uh, to handle. So I wouldn't put them all on Jalen, no.
3: Long back and forth about who's responsible for for fumbles there, whether it's Kelsey or, or Jalen Hurts. But, you know, interesting back and forth there. Uh, Doug was not very pleased on Monday, as you'd expect. Uh, 215-592-9494, if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back... Uh, we really haven't talked much about Carson Wentz at all tonight. Um, But uh, I want to play you some sound of Brian Baldinger, who does these baldy breakdowns on Twitter. And one of these third downs where he obviously 0-9 on third down on Sunday. And a lot of the criticism for that aspect of the game being placed on Doug. Uh, but one play in particular that I think kind of highlights bigger issues with this team, with Carson Wentz, that... Um, Brian Baldinger addressed during this breakdown. We'll play that for you. And also um, have Doug being asked about the Mike Silver report from Sunday night, uh, late Sunday night, uh, that Carson Wentz may not practice uh, great habits out at practice during the week. So we'll get to that all in the final segment of the show as well as a WIP fantasy football league update to close things out i'm tom kelly in for big daddy graham sports radio 94 wip sports radio 94 wip i'm tom kelly with you for one more segment here i'll be back on wednesday night into thursday morning um discussing uh i'm sure the nba draft which i mean i don't i'm not familiar with a lot of these prospects i'm not gonna lie to you um hopefully there's trade news to to get caught up on that night though, even though all the trades already happening. Um if you're just joining us, talked about it earlier. Chris Paul to the to the Suns. Drew Holiday to the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Um the Milwaukee Bucks also get Bogdanovich from uh Sacramento. Um Roko goes to Portland. So uh, a lot of move on the trade uh front already in the NBA and more to come for sure this week. And James Harden is likely available. Um He wants to go to Brooklyn, but uh, the Sixers have more to offer. Clearly, the Sixers have something better than the Nets have to offer, and that's Ben Simmons. And if the Sixers want to make this happen, they should be able to make it happen. So um, remains to be seen in the coming days, but as much as I like Ben Simmons, and I do, I would do it. If you have the opportunity to get James Harden, pair him with Joel Embiid, and you know, kind of build around those two and try to seize this window for the next two to three years, I think you have to take that opportunity um, because I think Harden and Embiid complement each other uh, very, very well, would complement each other um, very, very well. So we've been discussing that. Also, um, Doug Peterson a lot of the night here as I think Doug's job is in serious jeopardy over the next seven weeks. And uh, a lot of it, is, is due to the fact that I just don't think the organization has much confidence in him. When you look all the way back to the Mike Rowe situation, where Doug wanted to keep Mike Rowe, clearly, and he was not allowed to do so. If you're not allowing your coach to keep the staff that he wants to have in place, that's a problem. And that probably means you should have a different head coach and one that you trust um, more uh, than, than the one you currently do. So we've been discussing that. Um, in a in a minute here, I do want to get to some Carson Wentz stuff. I haven't talked a lot about Carson Wentz tonight, uh, but I want to get to that in a minute here. First, let's talk to John and Wayne. What's up, John?
8: Hey, how you doing? Uh, I, I just talked to Mike about this. I didn't. Did Did, did you think there was a pro, Did you think there was something wrong with Doug's response to uh, Rube's question?
3: Uh, did I think there was something wrong with it? I, yeah. I I didn't think he needed to be as combative as he was.
8: Oh, I I totally disagree. I mean, these guys sit there and they take these questions. And then I said to Mike, I said, hey, Mike, did you guys play the, uh, did you, did you play the response or, or when he got on the phone with Ange first, you know, yesterday? Yeah. Did, did you guys, and he says, yeah, we played that at two o'clock. So I was asleep. I didn't hear it. Okay. But, uh. I know Ange is a big, bear. he's the voice of the people and the, and the voice of the fans and everything. That was the cheapest shot I have ever heard on this station. And, and they,
3: they were updating their poll results, John. I mean, it's not that big of a deal.
8: Oh, you like, let's me? be honest. Right before, you know what? Dude, not a, you listen to it again, okay? What did Peterson say? I can hang up the phone right now and I'd have my obligation, wouldn't I, Ange, like that? Would you like me to hang up the phone? Didn't he say the word for that effect?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, John, he's the head coach of the Eagles. The Eagles lose an embarrassing game. He's going to get criticized by the fan base. Let me ask you this question. Why is it
8: never, why is it
3: always somebody's fault on this
8: team? And it's never give credit to the opposition. Uh, the only thing, you know John, wrong you know uh, John, wrong John, stop,
3: just stop. I mean, uh, are you serious? You think that New York Giants are a good football team? You think the Eagles should give credit? We should be, oh yeah, the Giants played so well. You think the Eagles played well on Sunday? Is that what you're alleging? You know what the problem is? They
8: didn't show up. Okay, they
3: didn't show up. They yeah, so we're up. so we're just so sort of say, oh, that's all right. Get
8: well, them next time, boys. How about how about these guys make millions of dollars? Okay, how about putting it on the players?
3: How about putting it on the players, John? Have you have you been listening like like to no, the I station?
6: I, 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 no, okay. I haven't.
3: No, to the phone. All, I, no, I listen to the station constantly. Well, it's I it, really John. Do. Uh, it's 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 our job to talk about the team underperforming, and you when the what, football you, you team know, is what, underperforming, you, the head that. coach is going to get blamed. It just happens.
8: I, no, I understand that, and I understand also that it's your job to be contentious and to and to you know throw something out there so you get listeners, you get people to call. I thought that that was the cheapest shot for him to throw. So that
3: what would you what would you prefer us to do? Like I'm I'm honestly curious. What how what would I, your your assessment be of that game? How would you, know, you handle
8: it? You wanted to talk about uh, what's his name? You, you said right before I got on. You said that you wanted to talk about Carson. Yeah, hey, listen to Carson's uh, interview after the game. I say four or five times he said you got to give those guys credit. They had a good defensive scheme and they. You know, they played hard, but right between the lines, we didn't show up.
3: Yeah, and I, I hate that response. I hate that response. Why did you hate that response? Because I'd like to see Carson say, we got to make more plays. I got to do more. I got to be better instead of just lauding the <laughs> he opponent. He says every
8: that week. every week. He's
3: got to be better. He ends that. He ends this conversation. I, saying, I'd like to hear a little emotion. I actually like the fact that Doug shows emotion. That actually shows me that he cares. Well, he, was, he said, I'm pissed
8: off. And I'm pissed off, yeah. Angelo, because he, he basically, you read between the lines, no, I, I, players no. didn't show up, but everybody was. You want to put it on somebody, put it on somebody. But, How about the Giants? It's a game of emotion. And the Giants came in here. They knew they should have won the last game. That guy dropped the pass. That uh-huh. would have won the game for them. Uh, he yeah. kept the ball, and they would have had to win.
3: Yeah, I, I got you, John. I appreciate the call. Whose job is it to have the team emotionally ready to play? Right? You say the team didn't have emotion. Isn't that the head coach's job? To have the team ready to play? Like, it, it, Mike, would you, would you uh, agree with that? That that is the head coach's job to have the team emotionally ready to play? Uh, do you to think a certain it, extent. Do you think it's irresponsible that we've been critical of, of the Eagles tonight? Or do you think we should just laud Joe Judge and Danny Dimes and talk about how great the Giants were?
6: You know what? I, I, I is that what you you prefer? are? You owe a lot of people uh, a Joe Judge apology. Are, are you kidding me? He's a good An coach. Apolo- he's three and seven. He's a good coach. They're getting better by the week. They're like he's coaching them.
3: I am not apologizing to Joe Judge. Mm. All right. I mean... You're wrong
6: about him, wrong about John Gruden.
3: Uh, okay, now, what, are you going to defend Gettleman, too? Do I uh, do I have to apologize to Gettleman as well? I
6: don't know enough about that, but when I... like, I backtrack him real quick. On, on Gettleman? Yeah. I, I don't know enough about Gettleman to say if he's good or not. I, I just don't know. I don't... So, but, but, but Joe Judge, I can, like that team is a well coached team. He's, run, he's running a tight ship, and they're getting better. Running the tight ship, he is. <laughs>
3: that is something Joe Judge would say too. Uh, you, you, so you like like his what he did a few weeks ago. You like that approach when he said uh, when he made the Giants practice in the pouring rain, even though they're playing in optimal conditions that week. Yeah, because. Um, Joe Judge said, "You got to take advantage of facing adversity when you can." Uh, who so that that
6: you thought that was like good coaching? If the Patriots and the Ravens played on a neutral field Sunday night, do you think that result would have been the same?
3: If they played on a neutral field, Pro- like the, the Patriots
6: not. clearly were more coached and prepared to play in a in that storm. Yeah, but than it's the not, Ravens. were.
3: it's not. that Belichick has them out practicing in monsoon. He does, though. That's what I, he does. Some of the things he does. I I just give me a break. You're, you're just trying to troll me now with the Joe judge. Uh, so should that be Thursday morning show? Just uh, should I make a list of people that Well, actually it'd be better if you make the list. How about you make a list for Thursday morning of all the people I need to apologize to. Okay. And I'll issue apologies, whether they're sincere or not to all these people.
6: I'll try and if I can think of like maybe one a segment.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and do that. All right. And we'll do that. Um. Do you want to do the uh, the fantasy
6: update here? Yeah, maybe you can start your apologies here. Okay. Um. Yeah, because you lost again. You're now one in nine. Still, you know, in the thick of uh, the Trevor Lawrence hunt. So you have that going for you. Except there's not.
3: Now, can we change the rules <laughs> so I can get first overall pick next year?
6: Wait, what if you? Because I want to go back to twelve teams. What if? The 13 and 14 seeds get knocked out. Get
3: relegated? Yeah, get relegated. So I get kicked out of the league? Yeah. Uh, would I ever have an opportunity? I mean... You can I'm reapply. A, I'm in a bunch of leagues anyway, so I, I... I was out of this league for a while. You were. That's what's so weird about... Then I get back in, and then he,
6: we make it 14 teams. It's like, okay. But it was fine. Last year you were in it, and it was 12. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so you lost to Joe DeCammer by three points... Uh, despite Kyler Murray's best effort, this is Kyler that, Murray's great. That's man. the other thing that's amazing about your team is you have Kyler. Murray. I know, I know. <laughs> and in another league, like I'm eight and two only because of Kyler Murray. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I uh, staved off kind of elimination, not, not mathematically, but for all intents and purposes, um, I was only up by one point going into this Monday night game against Seltzer, uh, championship rematch, by the way, and he had Jimmy Graham. Nick Foles, on the first drive through to him twice, both of them were hospital balls. Um, and then, ever since uh, after the rest of the game, Jimmy Graham is never to be heard from again. So, because of the, Jimmy Graham's goose egg, I won by one point over James Seltzer.
3: Nick Foles is, I mean, he gets injured at the end of the game, according to Doug, Doug Gottlieb, who apparently has a source. He's okay. Um, but Nick Foles has been terrible this year.
6: Yeah, I mean, he's not good, right. which I mean, we know.
3: He, him, him, and Wentz both stink. How about that? They're both not good.
6: Well, he,
3: he actually stinks. Yeah, I mean, I think they both might actually stink. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to uh, more Carson Wentz talk later in the week. Um, got to wrap it up tonight. Thanks to Mike for producing, and also I'm excited to, to issue these apologies. <laughs> My homework
6: assignment. Yeah, yeah,
3: please, please don't forget. Um, and, and we'll, we'll maybe we can do one a segment where I'll I'll issue an apology to somebody. Uh, So we'll do that on Thursday. Um, Thanks for listening. Next up, we'll talk to Al for The Overlap Show.